Welcome to the Time Machine. Experience the cancer journey through the eyes of the traveler. Welcome back to the Time Machine. When you walk through the cancer journey and you get to the other side, you think that's the end of it. But what if you were diagnosed a second time? Let's hear from Kay Pearson. Welcome, Kay Pearson, to The Time Machine. Excited to have you uh, with us today. So you've had quite the health journey recently, so would love to hear um, about diagnosis, multiple ones, mm -hmm. and the process you went through. And, and so, yeah, maybe kick us off. Yeah, I've had multiple. I've actually just this morning I was counting how many years it's been. How long have I survived? Because <laughs> they always talk about the years, if you can mm -hmm. make it to five, or if you can make it to ten. Um, I guess the first diagnosis was in 2005. Um, so it's been 15 years that Oof. I was diagnosed with melanoma cancer. It was a tiny black dot on my right shoulder. Doctor didn't think anything about it. I went in to see him for something else, and he said, well, I'll take a look at that. He said... Sometimes that's things that doctors miss. And he used this punch thing to just take a, like a punch holer uh, and took it off of my shoulder. And doggone if it didn't come back malignant. Mm. And it was stage three. Oh my goodness. Stage three melanoma. So then they get really serious. Um, and he sent me to a dermatologist and she cut off half my shoulder you know they get so serious that they have to take a, a big section out and that came back clear and said we think we got it all okay fast forward to 2008 and um, I wasn't feeling right under my right arm and I was just kind of feeling around and I had a swollen lymph node and that doggone thing that they said was clear was not um, he was having a really good time in my body and went to my lymph nodes so I did the diagnosis with that went in for a biopsy and all that and it came back melanoma cancer so um, I went to that dermatologist that worked on my shoulder to get all of my records and I told him at the front desk that well I have melanoma it's gone to my lymph nodes and they want my records so she called me and I was so mad at her because she had not, I thought the protocol would be if you have stage three melanoma cancer, they would send you to an oncologist just to see what they wanted to do with it. So she said, level three, I, I don't, it's not in the protocol to send you to an oncologist. But she told me, I mean, this is God at work. She told me that they have a melanoma program at the University of Colorado Hospital in Denver, Colorado, and we were living in Cheyenne, Wyoming at that time. So had she not called me and told me that, even though I was mad as a wet hen at her, um, I would not have known about that program, and that's where I ended up going. Um, at that time, they didn't have very many clinical trials, so they it's called subcutaneous um, chemo. Okay. So you check into the hospital and you have a PIC line inserted and um, 
for five days, they pump you with about five or six different chemos, send you home for two weeks to try to recover from that. You come back again for another week of chemo, and they want to do that four times, um, but that's what he told me, four times you'll have to do that. I got to the third week of chemo and my body couldn't take it. My platelets weren't right, you know, and my blood work didn't come back right. And he said, I could stop, you know, your body's not going to be able to take anymore. I said, but you told me I have to do this four times. And he said, well, that's really not the truth. You know, this is all your body can take. If I had told you you didn't have to do that many, you'd want to just do one and then go home. Yep. So that's the melanoma part. and. I survived that. Okay, fast forward to 2011, and I'm diagnosed with breast cancer. Um, so 2011, 2012, and into January 2013 was my last chemo for breast cancer. So, so far I've survived that. So twice. Yeah. Two. Yep. You don't see too many melanoma cancer survivors. So I just, I'm just so giddy, happy, <laughs> you know, that, that I did make it. Um, it was tough. Um, and then I was followed up by that melanoma cancer. He kind of got into a partnership with my oncologist for breast cancer on when to do PET scans you know, and any other testing that they wanted me to do. Um, but I remember one time he asked me after the chemo for breast cancer, he said, well, which one of them was worse? And I just gave him a dirty look and I said, you have to ask me that question? <laughs> I, it was tough to go through that. I mean, they get so serious when it comes up melanoma cancer and, and I guess that's why you don't have very many survivors. I don't know why God let me be a survivor, so I'm trying to figure that out and do the best I can and be happy that I'm alive and I'm vertical and I have hair. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Two two time survivor. That's an amazing thing. Yeah. Um, you know, I was going to ask you exactly that because, you know, I'm obviously right now for me, you know, we're trying to survive this, uh, the blood cancer and, and, um, you know, that's look forward to ringing the bell. Um, were you able to ring the bell twice? Is that how that works? Nobody had a bell. For no one had ring. a bell. Um, I have some bells that my dad picked up when he was on his World War II journeys around the world. Um, I guess I should dig those out and ring them as yeah. much as I can. <laughs> well, that was like the first, the first walk for me into the infusion center at the here at the Billings Clinic. Did they have that? They have the bell right there. And so, you know, of course my kids, they wanted to pull it and ring it. And I didn't even know what it was and because I wanted to pull it and then I, you know, realized I was I was educated on, you know, when you ring the bell. So do you do that when you walk out after yes. your last yes. chemo? Oh, okay. Yes. They had a bell to ring one time when we bought a car. <laughs> <laughs> well Anyone can buy a car, but surviving chemotherapy and yeah. and cancer, that's that's a different bell ring. Yeah, yeah. it is. It's, it's really tough. Anybody that has to go through that, it, it's a different mindset to get you through it. 
Well, how can you explain that? Like for your to do it twice, what kind of you know advice would you give for someone that's on the cancer journey? You know, specifically on mindset on how to. Well, I think everybody has their own psychological way that they handle that kind of information. You know, when you hear those three words, you have cancer. Um, I went immediately to the internet. I'm a school teacher. I like to do research. I thought, okay, I'm going to research this. Everything's going to be okay. Well, the first thing you pull up about melanoma cancer is, well, you better get your um, business in order because you're probably going to check out in about six months, you know, at the most. Um, I think I have inherited from my mom. She was disabled, couldn't use anything on the left side. Her way of coping was, I'll ignore it, stay calm, and I'll ignore it until I have to make a decision about each thing. I have to make a decision about something. Mm -hmm. Um, I think I inherited that, and that that keeps me calm, you know, and I, I just deal with one thing at a time. So that's part of it. And the other part was, I'm a very strong Christian, um, but if you allow yourself to think about, I have melanoma cancer, and I'm probably not going to be here very long, and my whole family was really upset. Uh, one of my daughters was pregnant. She was thinking, Mom's not even going to get to see this child. Um, a lot of that kind of stuff. My husband had just recently retired from the Air Force and we were looking forward to, you know, what's our next thing that we're going to do. And um, when you think about, I'm, I'm not going to be able to see all this. I'm not going to be able to see my third daughter get married. I'm not going to be able to see my grandchildren. I, I watched Oprah Winfrey one time and she had this girl on her show that had been caught in a car accident and her dad, I think, rescued her, but she, her whole body had been burned. And Oprah was asking her, how do you handle that? How do you handle the emotions? She says, well, I get up every day and I give myself five minutes to cry and feel sorry for myself. And after that, I said, bucket up, buttercup. You know, we're, we got the day to get through. And that's basically what I did. Um, I am a very strong Christian. I knew... I know where I'm going, you know, when I when I leave this world, but I allowed myself to think about not being there, excuse me, for grandchildren, not being there with Ron to grow old. And I would cry in the shower by myself. You know, I'd give myself five minutes. Um, and I'd do my crying, and then after that, I'd just put on my turban and wrap up my head with no hair mm. <laughs> and, and go out, and I had a daughter, her husband, and two children living with us at that time. This is during breast cancer. Um, I cooked for seven people every day. I think that kind of kept me going too, had had something that kept me going. And I, I love doing research. Um, so I still did a lot of research. You don't do a lot of research on cancer before you find out that you have cancer. <laughs> so I thought, there's got to be something natural out there or something that I can do to help my body get through this. So I was very interested in that. 
Um, but I think that was my coping me mechanism. I, I would not allow myself to be boo-hooing all the time. I stayed busy with family. Um, Ron, uh, Dad, who is he to you, Ron? <laughs> my husband, Ron, and I traveled when we could, um, short trips. And um, I just felt confident that, okay, Lord, if you're going to get me through this, yeah, I'll, I'll take that outcome. But if not, I know where I'm going. So I was able to work through that and come to a conclusion, you know, that whatever happens, that was in his plans. Um, kind of the Psalms 139 thing, he knows every day um, what was going to happen to me. And I came to the conclusion that if, if he knew what was going to happen to me every day of my life, he knew that I was going to go through that. Yeah, that's... Uh, part of the, the Christian faith, and I think for me, has been, has been powerful through this, is that I, I just came to that conclusion really quickly. I mean, there was definitely some high low, you know, some moments of processing it. Mm-hmm. But just realizing that my days are numbered according to God's will, and you know that that was the case before diagnosis and after. Yep, I'm glad that we have that. I can't imagine what it would be like if we didn't. I mean, we'd just mm -hmm. be floating around with whatever whim or yeah or whatever emotion was taken over for that moment. And you do get emotional. I mean, you can't help. But if you if you let yourself slide off into that, what's going to happen when I'm not here? I'm not going to be able to experience this or that. Um, <clears throat> yeah, that's true. Um, Can you God, talk about that a little bit? Have you, you know, in in your experience, did you spend? Obviously, it sounds like you spent some time oh, yeah. there. But can you maybe describe that? Um, I'm. I should have been a military drill sergeant. My, my dad was a Marine, <laughs> my husband's Air Force. Um, I'm a very stubborn, strong-willed person. And when I, I did slip off and start crying and thinking about all the stuff that I was going to miss and um, what are they going to do without me because I think I'm the most important part of this family, you know, and I tell everybody what to do and I'm in their <laughs> business and well, maybe you should do this or did you think about that? Um, I've always been that way and my girls know that I'm that way, but if I, I kind of jerked myself up when I was feeling awful or crying or upset, I was just able to stop this. You know, I, you don't need to be doing this. It's all planned. God knows what's going on. You just have to buck it up, you know, and you have things to do. You need to get up and go cook supper or yes. go shopping or whatever we had to do. I, I still was really confident in my Christian faith. And if this is God's plan for me, then this is God's plan for me. Why would I change what God has planned for me? And you hear people say, well, why do I have cancer? You know, and that was a big question for me too. But on the other hand, you think, well, why not you? 
who are you above everybody else? So when Satan came around, I just, I talked to him every once in a while. I said, get out of here. I don't want you around. You're not in control of me. Jesus is my savior. Hit the road. So I just kind of, the way I disciplined my children, <laughs> we homeschooled for nine years, two of the three daughters. Um, I am able to be like my mom and ignore it and, and deal with each issue that comes up that has to be dealt with. But on the other hand, I am so strong-willed and stubborn that I can jerk myself up and say, look, this is ridiculous. Just stop this pansy stuff and get on with life. Yes. Yes, I had that. I had one specific time where I, I allowed a little bit of a spiral to happen. And um, I snapped out really quick and thought, this isn't this isn't fair. This isn't fair to my children, to my wife. This is not healthy for me. Yeah. You know, um, so that's one thing on the on the. You know, we try for me, I try to take care of the things I can control. And, you know, mindset there is, is important. And I think faith is, you know, they, they mingle together because, you know, you can um, have a positive mindset, but mine is, is girded by, you know, the truth of the gospel. So it, it, makes, it makes it pretty clear for me of who I am, who God is. And when I came to that realization really quickly that he didn't need me, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, he, he may use me and, you know, I hope for that for to be here for my kids but if i'm not that you know he'll yeah, he's, he's he'll be just fine with without yeah you know. so you you'd mentioned so we talked about mindset and i think that's so important i also think other aspects of of the cancer journey that are important are the other things you can do you know be it you know for me sleep and rest you know i i steam regularly just came back from from a 30 minute steam and i do things that you know for me you know stretching and and physical activity Mm -hmm. but you know what i put into my body how i eat supplementation a lot of different things that you know that are in my control that i do that i think have been beneficial for me i'm seven we just did our 17th round so i've had 119 infusions and so we're becoming veterans of, of this. Jeez. But um, I've found a lot of things that have been helpful for me along along the way. We juice, you know, heavily. Mm-hmm. And um, I think that's been just really great. And so um, we do uh, well paired a couple times, a couple pickups a week with a big gallon juice. And then um, my wife juices here at home. So a lot of different things we've done. What are some things that you've been able to do? that um, you feel have helped you along the journey? That's one of the first things that I had read about doing um, nutrition research. Mm-hmm. When you juice, it um, it helps your system digest it and absorb it much faster than if your body has to digest it first. Mm-hmm. We use so much of our body's energy just digesting our food that we eat. So juicing is um, one of the biggies. Um, my husband and I went to a, um, this is after breast cancer, um, a cancer support group in Fort Collins, Colorado. Um, and everybody passed around, uh, the microphone after we did the presentation, everybody 
passed around the microphone um, and told a little bit about their journey and what they were going through. Um, that's where I was introduced to essential oils. I didn't know anything about them, um, but that was very interesting to me. But we had already been going to a naturopathic doctor, an herbalist, that used applied kinesiology, and he does muscle strength testing, and he can test to see if you have such things as parasites. He can test you to see what you're allergic to. I was having seasonal allergies, and he would test me and tell me, you know, yeah, it's ragweed, or yeah, you have a food allergy to this or that. Um, I had been taking my daughters for, to him for quite a while. Um, uh, my youngest daughter was like me. She had thyroid, hypothyroid issues, and he helped her with her nutrition and her hypothyroid. Other daughter had um, migraine issues a lot, and he helped her with that. But my daughter one day said, when we were there for an appointment with her, she said, geez, mom, you're the one that needs to be coming. He was called the country doctor. Um, you're the one that needs to be coming to him. And the, the light bulb went off in my head and I thought, well, geez, you're right. You know, I'm going through all this chemo and I don't have any hair on my head. And uh, Surely something nutritional can be better. I was doing my own research, but duh, yeah. <laughs> so I started going to him and um, I think what he helped me most with, he, because I had gone through such strong chemo for melanoma, it can have, or any chemo, can have an effect on your heart. So he had his way to check my heart, check for parasites, um, check my nutrition, check what I'm depleted in, what I needed. And he helped me, I think, with the nutrition. I, I kind of switched over to more uh, less red meat, less meat, more organic. That's the first thing that I'd been hearing about organic stuff. Um, but it makes sense to have less pesticides, less things in your body that your body has to fight off. Um, so he used standard process um, supplements. Um, a lot of chiropractors do that use applied kinesiology. Um, he gave me things that would help my digestion like multizyme, um, and actually when we got ready to leave in the motorhome, he said, well, let me supply you with some of this Emuplex because you're going to be traveling all over the country and you might, and you need to be strong enough to not catch every little germ yeah. that comes by. Um, so I think that helped me with my digestion and my absorption and, um, my husband, Ron, was able, when we would go to these meetings, support group meetings, there were several ladies that I would be sitting in the, um, be taking chemo at the same time with, and we'd see each other. Um, one that I keep thinking about, um, she just didn't do too well. Um, but Ron was telling me, your, your skin looks better than theirs. You look healthier than they do. Um, and that's when he was looking at all this stuff that I was doing. I was trying to tell him, well, the kinesiologist, you hold your arm up and he tries to push it down and you try to not let him push it down. And I would try to show him how to do it. And well, he called it my voodoo, you know, that what are you doing? You know, 
Um, he has become a believer since then. It's been years, but um, I think that was one of the big things. Uh, detoxing was very um, interesting to me and find out that it's very important. Like you, um, infrared is, uh, saunas are mentioned, but heat uh, and detoxing and sweating is very important. Um, mineral baths like... Um, what were we talking about the other day? Epsom salt, uh, Epsom salt bath, um, magnesium bath to pull the toxins out of your body. Um, we're so overloaded with toxins now through our air, through our food, pesticides, and water that we drink. You know, very important to have filtered water. I agree. Um, so you have to really start thinking about every bite, everything that you put in your body. That's what your body has to live on, to, you know, manufacture new blood cells, to digest your food, to take care of your brain. Uh, what you eat is so important. Yes. It's like a war chest. It's your tools to fight. Yes. Yes. I agree. Um, and not, not everybody is aware of that. I mean, like I said, you don't do all this research before you're told, oh, you have cancer. Now let's get you on chemo and then let's do surgery and let's do radiation and um, when they did radiation they didn't tell me that my stomach would be low on hydrochloric acid and I would not be able to digest my food like I did before I had radiation I said why didn't they tell me that yeah. <laughs> so the uh, I was put on Zypan which is a standard process that helps me make more acid in my stomach so I don't have regurgitation and stuff like that I mean you learn a lot yeah. <laughs> um, stuff that you never thought you that you would learn but if I can share that with somebody else and they don't have to go through all those tons of looking up this and looking mm -hmm. up that you know if somebody could tell you give you a list of okay do these things start doing these one or two little things here and they will help your body survive this chemo that we're pumping into you. Um, but I think mm, we're kind of on our own, you know, as far as I'm, I am thankful for the medical part of it. Um, in some way, it helped keep me alive. I guess it, it, may have killed the cancer. My oncologist for melanoma says, you have cancer cells all over your body. You still have melanoma cancer cells in your body. Um, but he's also the same one that told me that it didn't matter what I ate. So you have to take some of the responsibility for yourself and make decisions of what can I do to help myself. Absolutely, and that was one of the one of the key reasons where when I started to think about the, you know the Time Machine Project and how we could share you know our cancer journey and and hopefully have a benefit for those that, that listen because there sometimes you well you are on your own and you can get some really good advice you know from your doctor or from your naturopath which we had that and then a lot of places you may be left totally on your own as far as nutrition goes or a lot of different elements and so you know for us we were 
we had kind of had a lot of these things dialed in beforehand. So mm -hmm. that made it, you know, we didn't have to really change too much. You know, we added the juicing in and, but, you know, as far as our diet and being as organic as possible and, and um, the way we would, you know, the, the food that we put in our body and that didn't have to change too much. There's some little things along the way. But I look at people that come into the infusion center, you know, with a 32 ounce soda and and some, you know, fast food. And, and I look at that yeah. and sometimes and go, um, sometimes people make the choice because they want to. And they're like, you know, and, and to me, whatever journey you're on, that's yours. But sometimes I think people do it because they just don't know. Don't know. And if they had if they had some knowledge and knew that it would it would affect their their um, their treatment and. And you know, give them a better chance, you know, to fight. I think they would make those. They might make those choices. So yeah, I would um, hope so. Um, God led me to uh, several books that, um, and I thought it was so funny. One of the first ones that He led me to was this one um, that was presented to us at the cancer support group. <laughs> so. That gave me, that is, she's more a holistic uh, person in the way you eat and the way you take care of your body. Um, so I got a lot of good ideas out of this one. In fact, she has a concoction of cream, um, like aloe vera and two other things. When I was going through radiation, um, the doctor would examine me and he kept looking, and every time I'd do radiation, he'd come in the room and, and check me, and he said, but you're not burning. And I said, well, I hope not. And she, he said, but you have to burn for me to know that it's working. And I said, Doc, we need to get on the same page here. I know what you're doing to me with radiation and what your goal is, but I don't want to burn like a french fry and I was putting on this concoction that she had told me about in this book. Of course, I didn't tell him. Uh, I said, I'm doing all that I can not to burn and not to have my tissue, you know, yeah. look awful. And, and it hurts, you know, when, when you're burned. But he said, no, he said, you're, you're not burning. I, I'm <laughs> so can you explain that to me? Because I have, have yet to... Uh enter the world of radiation i will soon oh that's still in your prognosis the, mm -hmm. i mean it's still for yes. you to do yes yeah, so this is this is an area that i know very little of but we'll be entering in sometime soon well to start off with i when it's um i don't know how your radiation will be but i'm lying on a table in there by myself in a cold room nothing on my body down to my waist and this machine is very close to my shoulder and it's going up and very close to my nose and around me and making circles around my body and that's the radiation rays um, it, and it was going across my chest across my heart and they have to dial it and do the settings so that it only goes so far into my body um, so that it doesn't affect my heart too much because I kept asking about my heart. I said, you know, you know, this is a bony area right here. How far is it going? Um, 
So that, I, I really did not like that machine. <laughs> it, it was intimidating, it was uh, scary. Um, and they give you, for a woman, you know, and for breast cancer, uh, I'd had a mastectomy and they, they tattoo you. So they can, it's just a, a dot, but they tattoo that dot onto you so they can adjust the rays in the area that they're gonna be in. I said, if I, we don't have tattoos in my life, you know, in my in my family. We're, to begin with, we're Air Force, and you can't have a tattoo. I think now you can. But um, can I just have a smiling face or something, you know, <laughs> if I'm getting a tattoo? But it's just a dot that they went by. So I, I had this cream, and he was not happy that I was not burning. And I thought, well, that is a strange thing for a doctor to tell you that, he, he can't see that you're burning. Um, I had I had the creams written down on a piece of paper and took them out. Um, but it's... Um, and what is the author's name of this book? The author's name is Dina Mendez. Okay. Um, can I say this? You may, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> I thought it was funny. That's one thing that, I, that helps me cope too. I have a sense of humor, so I laugh. Sometimes I laugh. It makes you laugh at the strangest things, but laughter laughter is a good medicine. Doesn't the Bible Absolutely. say that? Absolutely, I think it's um, very good for you. But we laughed all the time. Um, the name of the book is a survivor's guide to kicking cancer's ass, and it has pictures of uh, boxing gloves on there. And I, that's exactly how I felt. You know, I'm going to kick this thing if at all possible. I'm kicking this thing. Yes. And when I'm sitting there having this chemo go through these lines. For some reason, this is a generation that I grew up in, I saw Pac-Man. The yellow Pac-Man was just gobbling up all the cancer cells, and, mm. and that's what I was seeing in my mind, um, kind of what I was thinking about happening in my body when I was sitting there doing that. But um, this lady had a, several different types of cancer. One was brain cancer. And I was trying to look her up again on the other day, and I think she might have passed away. I think she might have had a, a recurrence of that. But she has some very good... When going through radiation, it's imperative to mix Arnica gel. That's kind of a muscle cream. We use it sometimes when you have strained muscles. Arnica gel, Traumil gel, and Bach Rescue Remedy as a topical cream for the area being burned. Interesting. So we'll write down, write yes. down for you. Yes. Yeah, radiation is something, like I said, I haven't looked into yet, but once that, that'll be down the road, so nice to have uh, some insider information. What When you mentioned, um, you know, <coughs> just a moment ago, you know, the things that would be important to, you know, for success through this, what would be maybe the top three you know, or are a couple things that you would say, these are things I think are very important, you know, when you're in treatment and going through infusions. Some things that I know now that I didn't even know when I was going through treatment. Um, probably what you put in your body and what you put on your body. Um, you really should be drinking... Um, water that does not have chlorine, that does not have fluoride, 
that does not have pesticides. So that's, at the time I was thinking, um, reverse osmosis water, you know, something that would take out those things of your water. Every water system in the United States is gonna have drugs, pesticides, fluoride, chlorine, all that kind of stuff. There are water filters that can take that out. We now use a Berkey water filter. Mm -hmm. um, when we were in the motorhome, I was using, um, it's not distilled, that's what I keep wanting to call it, where it evaporates the water and then brings it back down into another pitcher. I had one of those portable ones that I used in the motorhome. Um, what you eat, you need to be as organic as possible. Uh, less meat, less red meat. Um, if you're a vegetarian, you need to take vitamin B12 because B12 can only be gotten through meats. Um, probably need to take D3 because almost everybody that has cancer is deplete in D3, but it needs to be D3 with K2 because that helps take the D3 to your bones and transport D3 where it needs to be. I do uh, take turmeric. I read somewhere and in my research, uh, turmeric is one thing that can kill um, cancer stem cells. So sometimes you'll read, okay, you've done all this to get rid of the cancer. You've gone through chemo. You've done all this, but eh, you didn't get rid of the stem cells. It's going to come back. And it comes back with a vengeance. And I said, oh, no, that's not what I want to read. I don't want to hear that after I've been through all this. Um, so I did read that turmeric and the curcumin that's really strong in the turmeric, uh, it says that that helps kill stem cells. So I take turmeric, a liquid under the tongue, um, sublingual turmeric. So what you drink, what you eat, the supplements that you take, I mean, there's a ton of supplements that you can talk about. Um, my oncologist did not check my D3 until I brought it up. And I don't know if she did some research after I insistently said I want my D3 checked. Um, she might have done some research and found out that every cancer patient, especially breast cancer, needs to have their D3 checked. And it came back low as it could be. So I started taking D3 then. So food, water, and oh, what you put on your skin. Your skin is your largest organ. What you put on your skin goes directly into your blood system. Um, so you want to use creams or what you wash your hair with, what you wash your face with, um, the lotions that you put on. Um, you want to make sure that it doesn't have any chemicals in it, no parabens, no phthalates, no, you know, all that junk. Yes. If you go to ewg.org, um, what is that, the Environmental Working Group, they have a wonderful website where you can just type in body lotion and they will bring up a whole list of body lotion and they give it a number one to nine. Mm. Where one is the best uh, in their view that they've tested um, and just go from there. Go from there to Amazon in order. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, we did. We made that change. My wife introduced me to Modair and their Live Clean mm-hmm. lines with all of the things you mentioned, from toothpaste to toothpaste, hair gel yeah. to shampoo and conditioner and you know to face lotion and hand soap and you know dish soap and detergent and we went you yes. know with the live clean on that and you know I, I think that's an, you know sometimes unnoticed and, and not talked about as much but to a lot of people like we were talking about they they don't think about that mm-hmm. like bringing a Mountain Dew into the chemo room yeah um, they just not are not aware and yep. maybe they don't take it that seriously. Yeah. Yeah, some are, you know, I think just, you know, are, like you said, unaware. And I'm, I'm sure there's there are some that make their choice, and, and, and that's, you know, that's for them and their journey. But I think there's quite a few people that have not been introduced to the benefits of some of the other choices that are, are available to them. Yeah. And so uh, I think, you know, I saw my... Um, um, you know, my naturopath that we've known for 30 years and you know, she was the one that, you know, initially, you know, came in and, and, you know, once we did some testing there, we, you know, when I got tested, I had no idea I had anything wrong with me. So we did a, what I thought was a routine blood test and, you know, remember her very clearly her coming in and saying, live in the present and, you know, there's something wrong we're sending you to an oncologist. And, and so I, re- I remember that moment in, very clearly you don't forget mm-hmm. those and uh but i you know i saw her again um dr beeson here in building she's fantastic and i saw her you know probably around around 12 or 13 and you know it was nice to have a conversation you know about treatment and you know it was it was encouraging that she she was impressed by how healthy i looked and and you know as i was recounting a lot of the things that we were doing and, um, you know, it's hard to know that other side of it because we've been doing so many things. Mm-hmm. So I know there's a lot of variables, um, but, you know, we, we've, we've taken, you know, kind of a hold of the choices that we have and, you know, throughout the day make tons of choices that, you know, we believe will, will help us in this fight. And so, um, so anyways, it's nice to be encouraged through that to, to, to see people that now after 16 or 17 rounds we'll say comment on on healthy how healthy the skin yeah. is and yeah. i still have hair and all these things you, and you are you know. looking really handsome you look you look good yeah i have I, to hear I'm that every older, day from my wife I'm much older than you are but, um it it makes you feel like the fight is worth it um i am doing something that can help my body um you just feel so lost and you don't know what to do when you hear that diagnosis. Um, you have one up on everybody else because you had already started um, cleaning up your home and yeah. and uh, using the right products and being on the path to health that a lot of people aren't. Hey, I grew up in the South. Everything's fried and, <laughs> uh, and uh, coated in, in grease and... Uh, I didn't grow up with, well, they say that the garden that my grandma had like a hundred years ago now, that food is so superior to what we have now that our soil is depleted of nutrients. We've sprayed it with Roundup and pesticides. Um, So they did have a lot of 
um, natural, healthy things. Hey, turnip greens and a tomato? Are you kidding me? That's mm. that's wonderful. Uh, and they would go kill their own pigs and and raise their own food. Yes. But um, we did fry everything. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So another thing I thought about when we're talking about uh, what you eat and what you drink is uh, you can get a filter. I didn't think about this before I read the research. What you shower in, your water that you shower in is also bombarding you with chlorine Mm. and fluoride and it's soaking right into your bloodstream. So you might want to get a water filter for your shower. That's really great. I didn't even think about that, which is... Ironic is we're talking about all these things mm-hmm. because, you know, I, I take a hot Epsom salt bath every day, you know, and I steam. So there's all these things that I do that are, are that I'm encountering a, a lot of, of water that's different than the filtered water I drink. Yeah. So that's a, well, thank you for that. That's, well, that's one, one more little thing that, I can add to my tool. Yeah. Um, shed. Berkey sells them and they're very reasonably priced and you just screw them into your yeah. shower. Um, this one guy that is a huge proponent of not drinking plastics, you know, the PBAs and all that kind of stuff. And he was at a um, seminar with somebody and another man came up to him and said, hey, whatever his name is, he said, "Uh, you're drinking coffee. And he said, yeah. He said, it's got a plastic top on it. And the guy is promoting not drinking plastic, you know. And he said, I never thought of that, yes. you know, and it's hot and it's releasing mm-hmm. the, the chemicals. And, and he said, imagine I'm on this soapbox about yes. chemicals and I didn't even think about it. Yes. There's so many things you interact with throughout the day that have become so normal to, to the yeah. culture and society of how we, how we live, eat, how drink that. So yeah, sometimes you don't even, you don't even think about that. We went to, you know, glass. So I, I take, you know, whenever I, like, say when we juice, you know, we go to Well Paired and they're fantastic and they'll give me the big gallon. I'll come home right away and put it into, and separate it into glass. Yes. Yeah. And um, so yeah, we do, you know, all these little things, but that's one I hadn't thought of either. Yeah. Well, you learn something every day. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And I think it's, you know, again, you know, when I think about the value that can, the conversation for those that have already been on the journey is there's so many things you encounter that you know you're not prepared for until it happens and and so there's just a wealth of knowledge i appreciate you sharing so much of that um you have a uh, some books here are there any other maybe books or things that you would recommend um this, this one here the truth about the, cancer the truth about cancer this is they had a seminar on the internet um, this is Ty Bollinger. He had many people in his family die of cancer. So he just got fed up with it and went on a search for natural things that can be done for cancer or things that the United States doesn't allow in our country, like hyperthermic chambers or like oxygen or like some of the natural herbs that are used to fight cancer that are being used in other countries. Um, it was very interesting and the three years that I was in the motorhome I was constantly listening to his classes and I I bought his book he and his wife are um, are big into this 
getting the truth out there. Um, you know, there are naturalistic doctors that have been put in jail because they were successful in treating cancer. Big Pharma doesn't like that. So um, that has gone on in the United States. Um, I really like this guy, Ty Bollinger. Um, that other book, uh, Waking the Warrior Goddess, is written by a doctor whose mother passed away from breast cancer, and that is a very revealing book uh, about some supplements and some tests that you can take. There are tests, uh, blood tests that can be ordered or testing that can be done. Um, there is a test that they do in Germany and the United States. My oncologist didn't order it and I didn't know about it. You can have blood work done and they can figure out what chemo your body will accept the best. Mm. And they do this in Germany. So you can order a kit and have that sent off and know that why why wouldn't they do that here you know um, so there are things that we don't even know about you wouldn't know about it if you're giving the given the diagnosis and they were ready to wheel me into the operating room as soon as the test came back and said I had breast cancer well let's wait a minute I didn't get breast cancer overnight I'm probably not going to die tomorrow, but can you let me think about it and try to settle down a little bit before you wheel me into the operating room? And they said, no, it's so advanced. We have to get it now, you know. Um, it, it's already over and it's already done with, but um, I might not have, if I knew what I know now, I might not have been so fast. You know, I might have been a little more calm about making some decisions and asking some further questions about, well, why do you want to do this and what's the outcome going to be? And so I think that's wise. I know, you know, my wife had, she did a lot of research in, you know, with the time with our oncologist, there was questions she had that really helped clarify some things and really kind of shaped some of the way our treatment you know, has, has developed into because of that. And, and so I think it is very important to be an advocate for yourself and for, for your family. Yourself. And yes. because, you know, that's again, one of those things that you have control over is you can, you can do some things to be, you know, an active participant in, in the treatment and in what's happening with your body. And, yes. and we've got such, I mean, we've been just blessed with incredible care, you know, all the way through and, 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 you know, we've had such great feedback and conversation that we've always had that open door. And um, so uh, I think it's, but I do think there's a few times my wife had a few questions that, um, you know, when she posed them, I realized I was very glad I'm, I'm married to her. And yes. for many reasons, <laughs> but she brought, you know, um, some things to the table that, you know, did ship some of the, the things we decided to do in treatment. And I was like, wow, that's very powerful that... You know, she had done her homework and, had, you know, put that on the table and, and our doctor had agreed with that and said, yeah, let's let's do this. And so um, I think being an advocate and having an advocate, you know, like for me with my spouse has been huge benefit. Yeah, you, know? you should never go to a diagnosis or you think you're going to get a diagnosis or what what is the outcome of the testing that you've done. Don't go by yourself. You really need somebody to go and if 
if they do nothing else, just take notes because you're not going to believe uh, remember yes what they just said to you because you're still <clears throat> thinking about the c word. It's like yes. uh uh can you give me a minute? Um but my husband was he's a paper pusher. He was a medic in the Air Force and we've gone through so many medical situations um I also have an inherited disease where, uh, well, I guess you call it a disease. It's called hemangiomas in the brain that bleed. It's on my mother's side, and it's genetically passed down. So my daughter, middle daughter, started having seizures when she was seven months old, and that kind of opened up the whole thing of, wow, this is hereditary. So not only did I have melanoma cancer, breast cancer, in 2016, I had a stroke from bleeding in the brain that I inherited. And then just last December, I had another stroke. So a year ago today, I was recovering from neurosurgery. Wow. My motto is just give it a year. <laughs> you, you never know what a year will make. And that's been through cancer. That's been through stroke. That's been through you name it. Just who would have ever thought this time last year I was just getting off a neurosurgery table? Wow. Um, so just give it a while. There are going to be lows, but be patient. You're going to come out of this. It's It can be better, and it can get really low. Yes. Uh, there were times when I was doing melanoma cancer chemo, I knew my husband was thinking she's not going to make it. Um, but give a year later, I was working in a veterinarian hospital in a, <laughs> a clinic in Estes Park, Colorado. So there you have it. Give it a year. Yeah. How's your, hus how's your husband been, you know, in this process? I know that's a huge part of the journey is when you have a spouse or, mm -hmm. you know, or a partner that you're, you're, you're going through it with. Usually that's, um, I found, find that that's sometimes a more emotional role to play. You know, you, the, the caregiver or the spouse feels helpless. You're just sitting there watching your mate. Um, one of the drugs they gave me for melanoma, um, I mean, I was having so many, it gave me amnesia. I, I couldn't remember where I was or what I was doing. Yeah. Um, and the doctors would just laugh and said, well, well, maybe that's for the best, you know, that you don't know what we're doing to you. Yes. Well, my husband was watching me, you know, and um, thinking emotionally, like we talked about earlier, you know, he would get down and he'd cry, you know, and He's an emotional person. You know, he might be a colonel in the Air Force, but he's he's a softie. Um, he, it was really hard for him to watch that. And then he would get me in the car on Friday to take me home to recover for two weeks to come back and do it again. I don't remember the car drive <laughs> from, from Denver to Estes Park. I don't even remember him driving me home. So you had to have somebody with you. I can't imagine somebody going through that and not having a helpmate. Um, he has his ups and downs when he thinks about it and thinks about how close we came to losing me. He will get teary-eyed and talk about it. Um, 
I don't know that being military makes any difference. I mean, his dad was a Marine, my dad was a Marine. Um, they're tough guys, but they do have emotions and they get sad, you know, and they cry. And um, but I think he fed off of me too because I'm I'm more of a um, Marine drill sergeant and is suck it up, Buttercup, let's go, you know. Um, military wife that had to, had to move like I don't know how many times how many houses that I had to set up but it was an adventure and now that he sees what I went through what I did to try to make myself better he's a believer now in some of the oh we have to have clear water we have to have organic food we have to change a man's lotion that he puts on his face you know? <laughs> <laughs> and he's yeah. oh I have to shave with this and yeah. I have to put this on my <laughs> face now I said yes just do it you know and, um, so when I send him to buy groceries now I've got him so trained that if he picks up a um, an onion that's non-organic and one that's organic he said oh I better get the organic or she's gonna I'm gonna be in trouble uh, so I have him trained really well. That's good. You know, so he's he it's been tough for him, you know, to think about well I got to the time when I'm retiring from the Air Force. You know, we're supposed to be starting our next adventure and here she has cancer. I'm like, oh geez. So Yeah, that's a sometimes I think that I'm on the well, always I think I'm on the easy seat because, you know, there's so much more for, you know, for my wife to deal with. And, yeah. and you know, I think um, I would like to eventually, I'm going to, you know, I've, I realize, you know, the Time Machine Project was meant for to walk through the cancer journey with someone that's on it. And and um, I think it would be interesting to open that up too to those that have walked it with a spouse because there's a whole other side to it. Um, you know, Cassie's been amazing through this process and, and you mentioned not to go alone. So she's at all of my appointments and, you know, we've had in the last year, you know, probably, you know, almost 200 by now. Um, and so there's been a few times where if she can't be at an infusion, she'll make sure that, you know, her, her mom comes with and, or somebody and I'm, I'm a veteran now. I'm like, I can, you know, I'm fine. But um, it's important, you know, that for her to have someone with me. And it's funny when we talked to Dr. Fabrigas is, is my oncologist and he's fantastic. And and so, you know, Cassie being there would take notes and and do things. So when whenever he calls or whenever, you know, I go in, it always goes the same way. I sit down and he's like, Don, how are you doing? You know, good. And we'll have a, a little bit of a conversation. It usually lasts maybe 45 seconds, a minute. And then he'll say, okay, Cassidy. <laughs> and he'll call me and he's like, with any kind of report. And he's like, this is Dr. Fabrigas. I'm like, you know, so I'll say hello. And he's like, is Cassidy there? And I'm like, yes, she's here. So like he, he's, he knows that, you know, she is on top of it as far as, you know, um, knowing exactly what we're doing. And, and, and she's a wealth of knowledge on treatment and all the things that we do. And, you know, one thing. I'd like to say about that too is she is gifted in that area and it's a place that, you know, she's good at. And so I try not um, to crowd into a place that uh, maybe I'm not needed to. 
So for me, I, I haven't done a ton of research, you know, on the things that she has. Mm-hmm. And and I just felt a release for me not to. Yeah. And, and ours was a little different too because we kind of had one path. It wasn't like there was seven or eight or ten paths. You know, there was yeah. one simple path. It was either this, you know, there was no multiple choices. So that kind of took a lot of things you know, off the table as far as research goes. There was definitely a lot of things we could research, but as far as how many plans of, you know, the path, there wasn't. But, um, you know, it's. I did learn that, you know, for me to keep my mind right, that I control the things I could control. And, and part of the gift that Cassie's been to me is is the places that she's really, you know, interested in. I just, you know, let her handle that. And then it gives me, you know... Um, a freedom to be stress-free on that. Yeah. Well, that's um, God's gift to you. You know, it's something that she wants to do for you, and she can keep up with that information for you. Um, so much happens when you're at doctor's appointments, and and I didn't journal. My daughters asked me, would you like to journal? You know, would, do you want to do this? We'll set you up a blog, Mom. I said, no, I just want to get through it and forget it as fast as I can. Looking back, I would suggest that everybody journal. You know, a lot of people are asking me now, well, how long did it take you when you started your first chemo before you lost your hair? You know, I can't remember that now. Yeah. You know, I, what, well, what chemos did they give you? I don't know. I don't want to know anymore. Mm-hmm. But write them down, you know, so you sure. can go back and look at them. Well, how are you feeling? I just know, are you cold? Does it make you cold to have chemo? I'm always cold anyway, so really? I'm definitely cold when I'm when I'm doing. But being I'm always cold, I can't tell how much it affects me. Yeah. Because I don't go from normal warmer to cold. I'm just cold to cold. Well, <laughs> um, yeah, I was always cold, and the ladies in my Bible study went together and bought me this blanket, and it it's so soft and it's so cuddly, and it has Jesus's or prayer hands on it. Um, and it just kept me so warm. And the times that I went off and forgot it, of course, they would offer you those warm blankets that they keep in the heater, yeah. you know, in the oncology unit. Um, and they soon will get cold. They'll lose yes. their heat and they get cold. So anyway, I would suggest that you do journal. You can throw it away if you don't want to keep it. But you do sometimes want to look back and be able to tell somebody else that's having to face this. Um, I do remember my oncologist told me, don't shave your head down to the scalp. You know, you need to leave at least a half inch of it. So I I had a beauty parlor appointment with my beautician, and I told her, I said, well, Amy, you might as well just give me as short a haircut as you can. So she gave me this, I thought I looked like my little brother. Back in the day, he had a flat top, and and we called it goose grease. He put goose grease on it to make it stand up. I thought I kind of looked like that. So I had my hair cut um, because I was going to lose it anyway. And it wasn't, it was like the next chemo that I had after that, that all of my hair started coming out. Mm. And just um, So it didn't take very many chemos before I lost mine. But it, it, it might be a good idea to journal. Um, probably would be a good idea to write down your emotions, you know, Today I'm not having a very good day, and I don't like seeing this pink stuff hooked up there that they're pumping into me. I don't like that, Um, but I I didn't. 
Yeah, that's an interesting topic, I think, because sometimes journaling can seem like one more thing to do. Mm -hmm. And so if you're not um, somebody that's a note taker or, or that writes, it can feel that way. And I had a few conversations, you know, about that with, with other patients. And I think there's a few other ways you can tackle it as well. I used to tell, I still do, but I, I would tell stories to my kids at night. And, and um, I had a friend that said, you should, she's a, a writer and she's like, you should write them down. So I would, I would tell them and then I'd go try to write them down afterwards because I'd make them up as I go. And it just was laborious. Yeah. So then I started just taking my phone and doing a voice memo. And I just would record the stories when I told them. And to me, that if I had to write it down, it was just too much, but just to record it. So as you were talking, I thought, you know, if, if you're not a journaler, you can always use a voice yeah, memo sure. and just record and, and just, you know, give a minute or two or three or five or whatever on yeah. what's happening at the time would be a you know good way to journal. I think it's, um, you know, it's not as much labor involved if you're not a natural writer. Yeah. And um, but I do think chronicling, you know, your uh, journey is is definitely can be beneficial for those that have done it and for the others that follow behind yeah. us. Look forward to helping somebody else if you don't want to write it down. Um, I do agree with you that I was always a fast typist and I'd rather type than write now. Yes. Um, but after I had the last stroke, I, I lost these two fingers my ring finger and my little finger and I can't I keep hitting the cap key instead of the shift key <laughs> it makes me so mad um, so I can't type that fast anymore but now they have the technology that um, you kind of want to be careful when you're saying a text that you want sent because sometimes it doesn't put the right word mm -hmm. in the text that's right <laughs> and you send it anyway yes. and it's something that you shouldn't have sent. yes um, but they probably have well you can do voice memos where it's just uh it's you're just recording your voice yeah. so you know you just kind of basically hitting a recorder and so you can do that and then and get it exactly as spoken and so I would suggest that if you want to get yeah. your thoughts down and you want to avoid you know the writing part of it that would be very helpful and on the flip side of that if you're feeling really down um, just write down three things that you're thankful for that's really good and it might I mean keep your spirits up as much as you can and identify when you're going down the slopes you know when you're you're spiraling down and you're getting upset and you're depressed, you know, just practice telling your stuff. Now, just stop it. Yes. You know, I'm hearing a bird sing. Mm -hmm. Oh, wow. It might be closer to spring. I heard a bird. It was a beautiful sunset. You know, it doesn't have to be anything material. It's um, just something that you're thankful for. Just three things. And they might mm -hmm. be very small. But... Everybody has three things to be thankful yeah. for. That's true. Do you have three things? Maybe we could end. We could end the um, the uh, conversation today. Maybe with some things that you're grateful for. Oh my goodness! Because everybody has three. Yeah, I'm grateful for so many things. Mm. Um, we just had a fantastic Christmas. I'm so thankful to be closer to my family. I have three daughters and eight grandkids. So that was a fantastic Christmas. Today, the sun is shining, even though we have a little bit of snow on the ground. And I'm thinking, two years ago, I was in Florida, and it was really, really warm, and I was loving that. But the sun shining today, 
um, beautiful scenery, um, wonderful Christmas. I get to go home and cook dinner. <laughs> I love that. I get to. I tell my I daughter that all the time when she'll say, I have to. I'm like, no, sweetie, you get to. You get to, yeah. Yeah. Well, that's, uh, that's a good way to end it. I appreciate you sharing your journey with us. And I, I'm very hopeful that maybe we could, we could do this again and, and maybe dive into specific things with nutrition. I think there's so much that we kind of touched on, but I think we could maybe deep dive into some things that were very specific with, you know, with supplementation or with some of the other things that we mentioned. And I think that would have a benefit for people. So maybe we can... We can do that in the future. but I'm not a doctor, but I have done a yes. lot of research. My yes. husband says, can I get paid for all the research that you've done? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I think, um, again, the last, the journey is, is yours. And when you're on it, you know, you, you kind of, you kind of have to pick up and, and find what works for you. And that's the idea of, yeah. of these conversations is it's not, because I know there's not a roadmap I'm, the, I know the things that there's a lot of things that work for me that may work for others and some may not. Mm-hmm. And even with mindset, the way I see things, the way that we, you know, we walk through this journey, I can, I'm very aware that it's different for everybody. And, but my hope is, as we bring different people that have been on the journey and they can lay out the things that work for them, someone listening may be able to go, Hey, that's hey, something that, that resonates right. with yeah. me. And, and, and maybe I can implement that because, you know, we, um, we've seen great benefit and have picked up a lot of things from a lot of different people. And so I think those, those conversations, um, can have huge value for people. So thank you again for, for, um, You're very welcome. for coming and, and we can, uh, end it with, uh, with that. So thank you. Thank you for having me. Yes. Yeah.